Hello and welcome to 20 Tim Minutes, a podcast that focuses on mental health in a serious but yet humorous way. Listen as I interview a wide variety of guests where we show our support as well as sharing our own personal struggles and stories with mental health. I am your host, Tim McCarthy, and now it's time to talk about it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're tuning into 2010 Minutes. I am your host, Tim McCarthy. Today, we have on orthodontist, recovery coach, and healthcare entrepreneur, who is the CEO of Everbloom, which offers specialized small group virtual sobriety meetings. Sonia Callen, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Let's start off with this. What does mental health mean to you? Wow. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's like, I knew you were going to ask it, but I couldn't like formulate an answer, like uh, writing it down. But I think, I mean, it sort of has more importance. I feel like in my life, like every day. Right. So I think that for a while I sort of ignored that there was a mental health problem. And then for a while I was just focused on my addiction. And now like I'm really starting to understand, and especially as a recovery coach, right? Like the root of addiction really like 95% of the time is a a mental health issue. And so now it's starting to really resonate with me. So you're talking about addiction. What is your relationship with mental health? Um, so like, what is my diagnosis? Yeah. Oh, no, anything like what is your connection to it? Like, yeah, diagnosis or how you feel about anything? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up, um, in like an Indian immigrant family. And so there's like, there's no such thing as like a mental illness just doesn't doesn't exist. Neither does addiction. And so um, now looking back, like I knew I grew up in a very like mentally ill, like household. And like, if you trace it back to like grandparents and aunts and uncles, there's a lot of significant mental illness. And so um, I think that I just kept self-medicating. Right. And so I didn't admit there was a problem, didn't admit there was a problem. And also like, who was I going to admit it to? Like my family wouldn't have believed me if I said, I think I'm depressed. Um, and so it wasn't until I got sober that I realized, um, something's going on. I wasn't sure what. And so, um, yeah, it turns out I'm, you know, I have like major depressive disorder and severe anxiety, which is like a really cute combination. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How would you describe anxiety to somebody? Oh my God. It's like, for me, it's so physical. Like it is like, I can point to it. It's like in the lower part of my throat and like, and also acute anxiety will like flip my stomach. And like, it's so physical to me that it's, and like, I think it's caused by the racing thoughts, but for me, I'm always like, like touching the part of my body that's feeling anxiety to try to like calm it down. It's really interesting. Mine's always in my shoulders and I just like keep moving them and people just think I'm dancing and I'm like, no, I'm just very anxious really? right now. <laughs> yeah. That's shoulders. Yeah. I feel it like just like right oh. here, like almost like my back blades, like shoulder blades, back blades. What am I? Who am I? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, and you know, it's funny. Like I had really severe anxiety um, in the last year and I, it's weird. I would start to feel like I was like, I don't feel well. I would say that. And it was like, I think I was like nauseous and yeah, but I might start doing like a shoulder dance. Sounds yeah. Weird. Oh, that's, that's all my dance moves. I'm a great wedding date, but like I'm all, <laughs> I'm all shoulders. Um, you kind of alluded to it, but what do you think caused the depression and anxiety? Do you believe it's like genetics or is it something else? Or is it a mixture of both? I mean, I think it's, I think like, like addiction, I think, and like everything, I think it's a mixture of both like nature and nurture. I think that I was certainly predisposed to being depressed. And I, I think that the situation like that I was in, like kind of being like the only 
Indian kid in an all white school, I think that situation really exacerbated it. And so I feel like also with me, like once it was set off, like that was it. So it was probably set off when I was like four years old, five years old. And then that was sort of it. Did you have any troubles in school being Indian? I mean, I, I was bullied, but I, the thing with Indians is like school is so important. So it was like all that mattered was how I was doing in school. So I never talked about being bullied for being Indian. Um, yeah, I definitely didn't fit in. Um, I didn't understand like American sports. And so that's like a thing, like when you don't understand like baseball, it's like, what? Like what, what's the base? What's a base? Like, yeah, and right. so there's just this like subtle difference between you and the other kids. Like my hair was a little weird. Like I had a braid like down my back. So there, and with kids, that's enough, right. To be like, what's, what's with you? Why are you so yeah. different? Kids can be so cruel sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking kids. <laughs> yeah. So you dealt with addiction. When did you realize you had a problem drinking? Did you care? Like, how did it start? Like what's the whole story behind that? Um, so the story is, so I, I had really severe anxiety. And when I was like 13, 12, 13, I started smoking cigarettes and that was really good for a while. Um, cause it, it felt like it was reducing the anxiety when I would smoke, but then like everything, it just turned into the thing that was actually causing the anxiety. It's like, Oh my God, I don't have a cigarette freaking out. So, um, I started drinking when I was like 15 and it was like, this, I have found it. I have found like the answer to all my problems. Like I feel comfortable, like in social situations, I was able to kind of go between different groups. And so in college, it was like, I drank, binge drank all the time. And so, um, and I was very popular and for the first time ever. And so I was like, this is great. Um, and so I didn't care. I didn't care that I had consequences. Like, you know, losing my keys or getting my stomach pumped and, and consequences that other people didn't seem to be having. And so I was like, well, everyone's drinking, but it's like not everyone's in the emergency room at four in the morning getting their stomach pumped. And so, yeah, I just kind of kept on binge drinking and then being super high functioning, right? Like binge drink, do really well in school, binge drink, look totally normal, binge drink. And so that went on for a really long time for me until, um, till I started my own business um, in my like 30s. And then it kind of turned into this daily drinking like wine thing that I think happens to a lot of people. I'm, I'm curious as a kid, what was your first drink? Um, I Okay, so this is interesting. So Indian people really only drink like colored liquor. So my first drink was like with like a kid from school was vodka. But then after that, from like 15 to like I went to college, whatever was in the house. So I would drink like, it was like Crown Royal, Johnny Walker. Like it was like the craziest assortment of alcohol. We had a bar. Um, and so I would like pour some out and then like pour water into it. And so I don't know if my parents' friends noticed that they weren't getting as trashed as usual. What about any relapses? Have you ever had a relapse? Um, yeah, no, it's hard to have a relapse when you never quit. Right. And so yeah. I like really hung on until I really just couldn't anymore. And so, um, I like, I quit every morning and I relapsed every night. Right. And so I just never had any significant sobriety until it had gotten to the point where it just like was, I was unable to reel it in and it just had to end. So no, I haven't had a relapse in the six years now that I've been sober. That's my question. I was going to ask how long you've been sober. Six years last week. Ooh, get it, girl. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was good. This was the hardest year. This was the hardest year um, to stay sober. Why is that? Uh, so I got divorced. I was with uh, my husband for 18 years and yeah, a guy just got up one day and walked out. And so that tested my sobriety in like a way I didn't even think was possible. By the time I'd been sober five years, I was like, that's not how, like, I'm solid. Like I'm, but I was not solid. Yeah. How does one start to move on from a relationship like that after 18 years and then like not have a drink to like cope? Like, how did you cope? Yeah. I mean, so that was the whole thing. I wasn't uh, coping. So for the first few weeks, I was just a disaster. But luckily, like I sort of had like I had like my antidepressant like on board. And so I, I still had some semblance, right, of like going through the day. And so I just slowly started adding things back. So I had this like, we call it in sobriety, like a toolkit. And so a very elaborate toolkit before this happened, like I exercised, I journaled, I meditated, I lit candles. And so, you know, the first night I remember after he left, I was like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna die. Like, I'm not gonna light a candle. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And then, um, and I wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping, which are all like major triggers um, for me to relapse. But just over the weeks, I just sort of started adding things back. Like by the second week, I worked out like once. And by like the third week, I like made like a reasonable meal. And like the fourth week, I, you know, started really talking about it. Um, and I started going to meetings. So I started going to meetings, um, non 12 step meetings pretty, pretty soon after maybe like the day after he left. So you single? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right. Hey, no, hey, that's that's good. That's good. Anyone out there listening, shoot your shot. Um, so the recovery system is is pretty good. Like, how did you how did you keep the motivation to go though? That's like I feel like the hardest part. Like, what is there anything like a single thing that you like, I gotta keep doing this? Um, I think I think with recovery, you come to a point where you like it, right? Like you like being around sober people, like that's where you feel most comfortable. And so, yeah. And I think, and you know, that a schedule is really healthy. And so I went every day at 8am online. And so I could travel, like I could go back to Canada and see my family and still go to the meetings. Um, or I like, I went to Costa Rica and like still went to meetings. And so, yeah, it was, I think the online aspect and just like, I, I love, I don't know how you feel. I love hearing people's recovery stories. Like I love it. I could listen to it. First things first, you're talking about uh, a schedule. I read that you wake up at 6.30 without an alarm. That is like, I don't like using the word, but that is crazy to me because I need an alarm to get out. Like, how does that work? Um, So this is interesting. So I think when you have lived with somebody for so long and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I, I can do whatever I want. So my husband had a very different schedule. Like he went to sleep late, he didn't sleep well and he woke up late. And so I was just sort of like tiptoeing around that schedule. So I would like, you know, wake up at all different times. I would read in bed until he got up. And so I really, that wasn't my like authentic schedule. And so somehow just slipped into the pattern of the schedule I think I had always wanted. And so, yeah, I just kind of get up with the sun. You just seem like you're very positive in a way. And it's, uh, it must be so great being sober now. What do you love about being sober? Oh my God. I love everything. I love like all the things that I can accomplish in like one day. Um, I love for me because I'm, I don't moderate. I just am abstinent. I love like not wondering like when I'm going to have a drink, like around like, you know, 10 AM and be like, am I going to have a drink at like 5 PM tonight? It's Friday. Can we, can we get that to four? Like, 
Yeah. So I, I love everything about it. The, the worst, I would say the only thing I don't like is, and that's still tough is um, like I went to a cocktail party last weekend and the only activity was drinking. And I was like, this sucks. Yeah. yeah. And I came home and I journaled and I was like, this, that sucked. Yeah. I was going to ask that. Like, how is it when you go to bars and stuff? Does people like ask you to be DDs all the time too now? No, it's interesting. I live in like this tiny town. And so I don't know if people are like, really like anywhere we go it's like it's just like dark and like like when we're coming home and so i don't know if they're comfortable driving drunk but like no one ever asks and i'm a terrible driver so no one ever asks me to drive them and so it's like great no no dd prompts it's not like we're going to the club so right. yeah i would say also too the best thing about being sober is you don't feel like shit in the morning oh my god yeah that's like that so last Saturday night I went to a cocktail party and I came home and I was like that sucked and I like ate ice cream watched Netflix journaled like that sucked that sucked and I, but I woke up the next morning really totally fine like this is amazing this is great those people are probably miserable right now. So your parents you said like in the culture it's like mental health isn't uh, really addressed but did you have a support system when you were going through the addiction? So with the the initial um like quitting um i didn't have a great support system i was definitely like white knuckling i think to an extent like my ex-husband was not really thrilled with he was fine if i stopped drinking he was not thrilled with like the idea of recovery or addiction it was just like well you're just gonna not drink it's not a big deal and so i kept it really quiet for the first couple of years and it was tough but my my support system luckily um was my brother who had been sober for a really long time through AA. And then when he relapsed, I was like, I need a support system. And so I started like checking out meetings, went to AA. That's good though. Speaking of white knuckling, let's talk about hustle culture. What is it? And what are your thoughts surrounding about it? Cause I know you're big into this. Yeah. So I, I had a business, um, I'm orthodontist. I had, um, a business that grew to seven offices and, um, sold to uh, a private equity company. And so that during that period, that like seven, eight year period of building that business, I was just like, did not care about anything except for the business. So I didn't sleep properly. I didn't eat. I didn't, all I did was work and I didn't take any time out. I didn't have conversations about anything else. And so I think that culture is putting your business and, and putting like, you know, increasing your revenue and your like top line, bottom line, like above everything. And so, and I think that kind of allowed my addiction to really spiral and my mental health just totally spiral. And so, um, and so it's kind of, it's interesting, like the idea of being high functioning, right? Because I was drinking like crazy. I was massively depressed, like to the point of like suicidal, but still going to work, like just like an animal, like every day for like 14, 16 hours. And so, yeah, I think hustle culture is sort of like a culture that doesn't allow for like, for you to be authentically you even for like an hour a day. Right. What did you have any suggestions that people are in the hustle culture, what they should be doing really? Yeah. So I start. so I started a new company, um, this past year and I was really trying to be really mindful of how I spend my time because I do think I have still that little bit of like drive to be like, well, I can work. I can just work. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll work. Um, I'll do this. And, and I think that now I just, I don't hate what I do and that makes it a lot easier. So I think that, um, 
if you're really passionate, you like what you do, I think one that helps you work kind of like I can work throughout the day, but I take really long breaks. And so, and every, like I prioritize like sleep, like cooking something healthy, uh, going for a walk with my dogs. Like I prioritize so many things now and it hasn't affected my business. I'm like the complete opposite of hustle culture. I'm so unmotivated sometimes, but I, I I end up bringing myself to it. I'm like a I'm like a koala bear or a sloth when it comes to motivation. Like I'll get there, but it's gonna take me a little bit. Yeah. But you said you had two dogs. What are their names, and uh, what kind of dogs are they? I have two dogs, Alder and Eleanor. They are 14 and 13, and oh. they are a Yorkie and a Poodle. Oh wow! So both little dogs. Yeah, both tiny dogs. They've been like, I mean, that's another thing, like such a comfort. Like I was such a shitty dog mom when I was drinking, like just shitty. Like, yeah, now I'm like, they're like babies now. Animals are proven to help your mental health. Like, did you know that? Yeah, yeah. And they do like, just like rubbing a stomach over there, like going for it, it forces me to, especially when I was going through that, really the depression sort of after my divorce, like, Honestly, like if I didn't have them, I don't know what would have been the point of waking up and getting out of bed. Right. I just love getting it. up. Yeah. Taking them out. And then it's like, well, I'm up. I might as well have breakfast or <laughs> yeah. I'm up. I might as well. I might as well live today. Yeah. So. Are they such a duo together? No, no, no? They, they, they hate each other. Yeah. That's no, awesome. they're, <laughs> yeah. One's like on one. Yeah. One's with me. And then the other one's like doing his own thing. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So you were an orthodontist. Like I've I've talked about this before with someone that is a dentist and the drilling. How is that on like your mental health? Because like you got to just hear that noise. Like, do you still hear it at times? Yeah. I smell it. Oof. I love the dentist. When they clean my teeth, I'm like harder. I'm like, go harder. Like, really get in there. I love it. But yeah, that drilling, I couldn't imagine that. Yeah, I think you do get desensitized to it, but um, but now, like, I've kind of been away from it for a couple of years. So, like, the smell and, like, yeah, the sound, the kind of, like, screechiness of it is, is yeah, I, I get I get why dentists are, you know, a tough crowd. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. Um, let's talk Everbloom now. What is it and what can people expect? Yeah, so I was, like I said, I was going to meetings and the meetings were huge. They were, like, 200 people. Um, online and I wasn't going to share in front. Of, I'm really introverted. I wasn't going to share in front of that many people. Um, there and then AA, like you can't, there's no feedback, right? Like there's no crosstalk. And I was like, I need really a lot of crosstalk. Like I need feedback. I need advice. So I looked for a while for something and, um, I couldn't find it. And I thought, well, I will make it. I'll do it. I'm going to do this. And so, yeah. And so I just started mapping out, um, the idea of, you know, kind of curated groups. So groups that are specific. So the center would be everyone's, you know, sober or trying to get sober. And then the the second thing is what are they dealing with, right? So are they dealing with like a life transition, like divorce, empty nesting? Um, and so that they would be in a group because they understand what each other is going through. Or, you know, are people struggling with parenting and they can be in a group parenting young children. And so yeah, so it's just like, you know, different small groups where everyone has a chance to talk and they talk to each other, which is like the greatest thing to watch. Cause I can talk all day, but when they talk to each other, it's like, this is amazing. See support systems are great. And that's what you're doing. Amazing. Yeah. It's something I really needed at the time. And so, yeah, no, it's amazing. And we have a Slack channel and 
I just, I was having a bad night Saturday night and the slack comes up on my, my Apple watch. And, um, someone was also having a bad night and someone like jumped in and gave support. And I was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. It's amazing. Where, can, it's a, where can people get Everbloom? So you can go to joineverbloom.com and you can sign up and try out a free meeting before you um, decide if you want to do a membership. Do you take the time and stop to think about how proud of yourself you are? Um, no. Um, but when they tell me I get super uncomfortable, like last night we had a meeting and at the end of it, um, someone said like, so how does it feel that your like dream came true of creating, you know, a community that supports each other. And, and I was like, I, um, I don't know. Feels good. Feels good. Yeah. yeah. Ta- taking compliments is tough. I'm the same way. I feel like Talladega nights when he puts his hands up, like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like I just yes. get so awkward. Like, I don't know what yes. to do. Yes. And like, I have, I have two amazing sister-in-laws and they like send these like just like over the top texts like love you so much we're so proud of you can't believe it and I'm like oh my god what do you want me to say to that yeah 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 so like, I'll be like um what do you have for dinner yeah exactly oh uh, always diverted it's the same with like getting gifts with me like I feel like I don't give the reaction that they expect, but I am excited about the gift. But like, I just feel so awkward opening up in front of somebody. Yes. I feel weird if people, like people spent money on me or like thought about me without me being in front of them. Yeah, exactly. But how was it creating something like Everbloom? Was it like hard? Like, did you feel good doing it? Like hustle culture? Like what? No, it felt, it felt amazing. I think um, one thing I did was, and one thing I do now more than I did when I was like hustling is um, I like get help. Right. And so I joined a business accelerator. And so I have this sort of like structure and I have support for anything. If I have a question like, Oh, like, you know, website question or something like I have someone to ask. And so, yeah. And it's been, I mean, I know someone said to me something amazing the other day. I don't know if you believe this, but like between your greatest pain and your passion is your purpose. And I think that's sort of what it feels like. It feels like, you know, from the pain of the divorce and, you know, and suffering mental illness and like alcoholism for so many years and the passion of like loving recovery was my purpose. And so I know it's cheesy. It doesn't feel like work, but it doesn't feel like work. (laughs) Hey, if it works for you, then that's, it works for you. Yeah, the parts that feel like work are like actually talking to people sometimes feels like work, but like all the other stuff, it's like, it's fine. Here's a good one I like to ask people too. It's like, what would you tell yourself that if you were like yourself now, like what would you tell your younger self? Yeah, I'm not going to say like it gets better because it, you know, in my case, didn't. Um, It it got like, yeah, but it's, yeah, I think I would say that that you have to look at everything as an opportunity that when seemingly horrible things happen, you have no other choice, but to see it as an opportunity. Not saying you have to be grateful for it. Not saying you have to be like in support. I'm not in support of divorce. I really, you know, wanted to be married my whole life, but, but it was an opportunity and my life won't, I'm not even saying my life will be better. I'm saying it'll be different and I'm going to try to embrace it. What um what uh like um some tips you would give somebody going through a divorce? Like what would you recommend for them to help uh, cope? I don't think everyone has the same um situation that I did, but I could do no contact. We didn't have kids. 
So I think that's really good. I think get some therapy um, is a really good advice. And yeah, I mean, I think that if you know you're not going to get back together, like the sooner you sort of like no contact, get the person's stuff out of your house, like get the things sorted, I think the better, the sooner you can do it, the better. How can we help break the stigma about mental health? Um, I guess talking about it, it seems like for me, the issue is cultural, right? Like, so there's so many cultures that are just so resistant to the idea of mental illness or like treatment for mental illness. So I think that if we sort of like attack things like in different cultures, I think that would be amazing. What does self-care look like for you? What do you what do you do to make sure that you're treating yourself right? Um, I do tons. I do like so my my like base is like halt, like hungry, angry, lonely, tired. So I try to I start there. And so if that's all I can do in a day, that's great. And so I try to eat properly and like yeah, I try not I'm I'm not a super angry person, so it's not a big one. Um and not super lonely, but and I try to sleep properly. And yeah, I mean, I do a ton of just like journaling. I have a really elaborate evening ritual with like candles and like a face mask. And so, yeah. And a lot of my self-care too is like making time for my family. And so I have an amazing um, chosen extended family. And so making time for them, even if I'm busy, is huge. We kind of talked about this with talking to your yourself when you were a child, but what are some words of wisdom that you would give somebody that's going through it, especially like addiction? Like what are some words of wisdom you would give? Um, I would say so my favorite is like never question the decision. So it's like make a decision and don't question it. Like just don't renegotiate. Like there's a voice in your head that tells you if you have a problem and just like listen to it and and don't like, yeah, don't renegotiate and mitigate this decision to be sober. We're going to finish up here, but I just wanted to say one say one thing to you. I'm very proud of you with what you got going on to go through an addiction and come out on the other end in six years. That is such a great thing. Um, coming up with Everbloom, like that's awesome. So you you should feel proud of yourself. And I'm glad that I'm making you feel awkward right now. So keep doing what you're doing. And uh, you're an awesome person. Thank you. <laughs> Let's finish with this. What would be your personal theme song? Like maybe like what is Everbloom's theme song? What would be playing that if you came out with Everbloom? What is playing in the background? Um, so so I'm Canadian and like Drake is always like it is like the backdrop of being Canadian. Like when I go home, like we talk about Drake like four or five times a day. Like he was somebody worked on his house, somebody saw him at the grocery store. I went into a store and he was there right before I got there. And so it would have to be a Drake song. Um, and I don't know. I like Drake like over or like forever. Okay. Forever is yeah. a good one. Yeah. I think they're very, they're like inspirational, but like not like a cheesy inspirational. They're like, this is going to be hard. We need to do this. Drizzy Drake, the answer. That's a great answer. I like that a lot. <laughs> now let's end with this. What are three things that you're grateful for today? Oh my God. Well, I know we're both grateful that we live somewhere with four seasons, I think, today. Yep. Because the weather is amazing. And like I wouldn't have said that last week if we had been talking. Um, I am I'm really grateful that I made it through this year alive and sober because I don't I mean, I don't think I would admit this to like my family, but that was not a guarantee. I was in a really, really dark place um, you know, last year. And so I'm just really grateful for that. And um 
Yeah, I'm grateful for this whole idea of chosen family. I have, yeah, two sister-in-laws and three nieces, and they are just like the funniest, like most supportive people like in the world. And so I'm really happy like making a decision to like make a chosen family like that. Sonia Callan, thank you so much. Where can everybody find you on the internets? Um, so we're either join Everbloom or Everbloom on every platform. And so you can also go to joineverbloom.com and check out a meeting. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun and thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Tim. That's another episode of 2010 Minutes. Let's break the stigma by cracking a smile. I will see you guys soon. podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. If you are feeling suicidal, please dial 911.